Good morning and Happy New Year's, everybody. I want to start out with a uh, quote that I came across a couple weeks ago from a uh, gentleman named Martin Lloyd Jones that uh, just really kind of stood out to me. It says, when the church is absolutely different from the world, she invariably attracts it. It is in that the world is made to listen to her message, though it may hate it at first. Part of the reason why that kind of stood out to me is, uh, one, we're kind of called to be different, not kind of, but we are called to be different than the world, to contrast the world, to kind of be a light on the shining, a, a city on the hill that's shining light. And two, it's not hard to look around and find many churches and church bodies that you really can't see much difference between like a social club within the world and what's supposed to be the church. There's no real movement and authority there. It's really kind of lukewarm and passive. And it, I mean, it kind of, it really saddens me. But uh, that quote stood out to me as uh, just something to spur along to remind us of uh, how we're supposed to be and uh, where we're supposed to have our focus. Uh, today we're going to be starting out with 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'll give you a chance to turn in your Bible there. Seventeen says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Look, all things have become new. Uh, that's just kind of the reference point for today. I mean, New Year's Day, uh, new me, new year kind of thing. Uh, which, when we become... Christians, when we give our hearts to the Lord, he has made us a new man, and the old man is stripped away. It's It it dies to us, or at least it should. If it's not, we need to have a conversation later on. But it reminded me of a, uh, of a devotional that I wrote probably eight or nine years ago that I went back and looked at that uh, started out in Romans 8, 6, says, For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The definition of carnal from the Webster's Dictionary is in or of the flesh, bodily, material, or worldly, not spiritual. Having to do with or preoccupied with bodily or sexual pleasures, sensual or sexual. Later on in this devotional, I uh, went into the uh, question of what fills the void in your heart. Humankind is always trying to fill the void we all have in our lives. Some try to fill it through sex, drugs, or job, or status. And the list goes on and on of things that we try to complete ourselves with. Always saying, if I can just do this, or if I can make that amount, it'll just make me happy. But if this is the case, why are so many millionaires so unhappy? The world is always trying to replicate what God has made to fill, the, fill this void. Even Christians have been found to do this, not even realizing that they have just strayed away from the shepherd. The only way to find fulfillment in this life is through the total abandonment and control over your life 
in the obedience to the Father. The first step is through the relationship offered by Jesus Christ to give yourselves to him and cleanse you of your wrongs that you've done in life, finding forgiveness in him. Second is to be obedient to the word of God and let his healing power transform your inner man and letting go of the pain and trauma stored within your heart. Being a believer in Christ is not saying that there will be no hard times because that is when we grow the most in faith. As a medic, I know what I need to do whenever I get a call. But my skills can never grow unless I've had unless I've had to use them. And the same goes with our walk with God. Our walk and our faith will never grow unless we're actually having to be active in our walk and in our faith. If we're to find that fulfillment in life, that joy and peace we seek, and the strength that we need to overcome the dark storms we face, we have got to surrender the will to God and commune with Him. There's this wholeness that comes if we try to fill it ourselves. We have done nothing but made a genuine replica, or a counterfeit, if you will, of what is designed and freely given to us. This is not saying that work, money, and other things that we enjoy and bring, that bring us pleasure are bad. It's saying that where we place our focus in life determines the fulfillment of it. So where is your focus? Like I said, that's a devotional that I I wrote eight or nine years ago and uh, put up online. And it came back to mind as I was uh, preparing for this uh, message for today. So it brings me to my first point. God clothes his people. So what does a new creature wear? Does God place us in an Armani suit? Does God make us all Gucci as we walk the streets? I mean, it sounds funny, but in all seriousness, there's places that we go that there's some churches out here and some areas that we go in life that if you're not wearing that three-piece suit or that nice Armani suit, you're not welcome. And then we also have some churches on the uh, complete other side where you can be barefoot, shorts, and a Hawaiian shirt and be just fine. Either way, I don't have a problem with what people wear. But what we need to really focus on is what does God clothe us in? Not what moths and time will destroy, but what does he clothe us in? We turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. So if you have your Bible, please turn there. Ephesians 6, 8 through 13. says, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to resist in the evil day 
And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your waist girded with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all fiery arrows of the evil one. Some versions may say fiery darts, but either way, it's protecting you from the attacks of the enemy. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit always with all kinds of prayer and supplication. To that end, be alert with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So God clothes us in his righteousness and in his armor. That's not something that moths can eat and time wither away. It's not something that goes in and out of style and all the other fads over the years. It's timeless from the beginning to the end. His righteousness and his armor. This is how the church also stands uniquely in a dark world like a shining city up on the hill. But in order to be fully dressed and fully prepared, we must remain in Christ. It's kind of like the old saying, you are who you hang out with. And if we don't spend any time with Jesus daily, how can we ever expect to be like him and be able to ask things in his name and actually expect it to be done? How can we expect to understand his will? And some may ask, how can I know the will of God? And that's a very good question, very applicable question, and very real question. The first step to knowing the will of God is asking, God, what is your will? What would you have me do? How do you want me to operate in this area? The second step is to read his word and soak in his voice as the Holy Spirit reveals his truth to you. You cannot recognize his voice in daily life if you don't first hear it through his word. That is the main way that God speaks to us is through his written word. That written word is also known as a living word. That's how he speaks to us primarily. And it's also how we test everything. 1 Kings 19.12 tells us that the, Lord, that the Lord spoke in a still, small voice. Elijah didn't hear the Lord in a strong gale of wind, not in an earthquake or in a fire, but in a still, small voice. And many times the voice of the Lord is not abundantly loud, slapping you straight in the face. Many times it is a soft and ever so guiding, never once deviating from the scriptures. That's a very important spot, especially knowing the word of God and testing everything with the word of God. When the Lord speaks in that still small voice, it is never going to deviate from the scriptures. Many times that small voice is going to be a slight nudge of, hey, where are you? Come to me or help that person. 
The more you get used to hearing and responding to that still small voice, the more you notice it. Not that it gets any louder, but the more your ears become more in tune with his voice. I think back to uh, many years ago before uh, I went to uh, a church called New Life up in Taylorsville that I really love. I still love that church. But at the time I was living out of Morrisville, I had been out of church for a little bit. I was downright angry with people and with the church and didn't really feel like going to church. Didn't feel like being around a bunch of fake people that were always trying to sweep things under the rug or trying to look perfect at all times. I was just tired and I was straight up just ticked off. But I was sitting there in my living room with my dog. And I've shared this story many times before. But I was sitting in the living room with my dog. And I'm actually reading through the word. And the Lord placed on my heart. He said, why have you forsaken the brotherhood? And I went back and forth with this. I was kind of upset. I'm like, I haven't forsaken them. They have forsaken me. I'm the one that's hurt. I, 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 I. A lot of it was about me at the time. And I didn't really want to admit it. I was hurt. And I was hurt. It was a deep hurt. But I knew what I had to do. And I knew where I needed to go. And I knew it was going to be a little bit of a trip. It was about a 40 minute drive for me. But I was obedient. I packed up Erica and my daughter. And we rode out to Taylorsville. And the whole way up there, I was battling in my head of how I could never afford to drive from Mooresville to Taylorsville weekly. The whole trip up there, and right before I got there, it dawned on me. One, I'm just coming for a visit to see a friend and go to church. And two, if I'm battling the whole way up here for a visit, more than likely that's exactly where my butt needs to be. And praise God it was, because that was one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. And we were there off and on for quite a few years until I felt led and placed on assignment for uh, the city of Statesville and the people of Statesville. And uh, me and the pastor of New Life, we talked about this several times and uh, prayed over it. And when the time came, I was sent out to Statesville. Point number two for a new creature or a new man is that you'll know them by their fruits. If you will, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. We read in verse 22 through 26. Starting in verse 22. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Those who, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another, and envy one another. When one gives their life to Jesus, there is always a noticeable change that takes place. Many times this change truly manifests over a period of time, but there always is a distinct start. 
Anybody that has become a born-again believer can think back to the moment it happened. It was a distinct moment in life, a very major marker in their life. And a lot of times the people that know them best and the people around them the most notice that change too. <coughs> Excuse me. And I love my Pentecostal brothers to death, but I'm also here to tell you that the true mark of salvation is not given by any spiritual gift manifesting. Although the gifts are good and aid us in great ways, but the real mark of a saved soul is that of a radically changed life. That man that you've known, that was cheating dude, that was always cheating on his wife, and all of a sudden he's going straight and narrow and being a good husband and father. Strong chance something radically changed in his life. That person that was hopelessly addicted for years that could not get free by themselves. And all of a sudden they're sober and living life. There's a 99 to 110% chance something radically changed in their life. That is the fruits of somebody that has given their heart to the Lord. Is a radically changed life. Sometimes it, for some people, it might seem not that big of a deal. You have somebody that's always been a really good person and they became saved. I promise you, you ask them, they felt a major change in their life. Something radically happened with them. Even for the very quiet people but the problem is as many start the walk start out their walk on fire for the lord and due to culture both from church and social kind of lose that heat and start to have no true definition that contrasts them from the world around us and that's always somewhat of a danger especially if you don't have somebody that is learning healthy discipleship skills of getting into the word on a regular basis of getting together with other believers it goes back to you are who you hang out with if you're especially if you're freshly walking out you got to be surrounded by other believers especially people that care about you that can hold you accountable But also, even if you've been walking for a while and been with the Lord for a while, there's still a strong chance of getting very lukewarm, especially if you're not very cautious of your surroundings. What you let into your ears and your eyes and the people that you spend time around and the things that you let happen around you, over time, your heart's kind of kind of getting cold on that. And it's going to get lukewarm if you don't stay on top of that. We are known by our fruits. This is not to be confused with the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts are how one operates in their walk. Fruits are how one lives. And it takes time and cultivation to grow fruit on a fruit tree. 
A lot of these spiritual fruits, these fruits of the Lord, especially the patience and the peace and the joy, that doesn't always happen overnight just like that. Sometimes that takes some intentional cultivation and some intentionality of asking the Lord to be the gardener to cultivate it. If we look further up in the same chapter, verses 19 through 22, we see a clear definition of the fruits of our old man. And I took this passage out of the Amplified Version because of the way it breaks it down, and I kind of like how it broke it down. But starting in verse 19. Now the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. There is sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, which is total irresponsibility or a lack of self-control, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, disputes, decisions, factions that promote heresies, envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like these. And I warn you before, just as I did previously, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That is a very, especially the end of that passage is very, very powerful right there. The easiest way to explain that right there is if you've got somebody that has given their heart to the Lord, you should see a rapid deduction in this type of behavior and this type of fruit. You should start to see a rapid increase in the fruits of the Spirit. If you do not see such a rapid increase or if you don't see any fruits of the Spirit coming through, they might need to check their heart and reevaluate if they've truly given their heart to the Lord. And that's between them and God. That's not me judging somebody. We are able and allowed to judge the fruits of the ones around us. And I'm not going to question anybody's individual salvation because that is between them and God. But I will say, if I don't see any fruits, I don't believe it. My third point is conviction marks perfection. An internal marker that one is growing in faith is that of conviction, especially instantaneous conviction. Nothing major at the time, but that small little gut voice that pops up right after you did or said something even minor. Now, I'm not talking about the thoughts or anxieties of what did they think of that, or I hope they don't think I'm a jerk because I did that. I didn't mean it that way. But that conscious feeling after a, ma a minor joke that was slightly off-colored, and you get this feeling in your gut that says, watch it, son, that wasn't very righteous of you. Listen to these voices and take note. The more times you ignore them, the less you will notice them. And the colder your heart will get. And it can be something as simple as a slight snip at your spouse and the immediate feeling of, I could have said that better. 
Listen to those little voices. First Thessalonians 5.19 tells us not to do not quench the spirit. When we discard that little voice, we do exactly that. We quench the spirit, and his voice becomes very, very hard to hear the more times we do that. And when we continue to choose to continue to act like a troll to the ones around us, we quench the spirit. Now, if we look to the passage leading up to verse 19, we find in 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 through 18 of how we can fan the flames of the Holy Spirit within us. Instead of quenching that spirit, how we can make it burn even hotter and brighter within us. Starting in verse 14. Now we exhort you, brothers, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, support the weak, and be patient towards everyone. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. There's a lot to unwrap in that passage. But there's a lot of conscious behaviors in there that will fan the flame of the Holy Spirit within you. Especially when we choose to comfort the faint-hearted, when we choose to support and take care of the weak around us, are the people in need, are the widows, are the brokenhearted where we say a kind word? Especially being patient. That is one thing that we have lost a lot here recently as a society is patience towards one another. I mean, if our cheeseburger ain't out and on the counter in five minutes at McDonald's, we're ticked off by God. We are ticked off. Not me, because I'm a little more patient like that. But just in general. It's really easy to try and do the evil for evil, the eye for an eye to people. My word, that takes a lot of energy, a lot of bitterness to continue to live like that. But when we choose to do good to people that don't even deserve it, and that feels, fires up that Holy Spirit in us. Fills us up, makes us more active. Helps us to do more like that. To rejoice always, to thank the Lord for anything and everything that you can think of. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you're having a bad day, and you're feeling like teetotal crap, go to the Lord in prayer and start thanking him for anything and everything that you can think of, and you will start to find and feel some joy. And to pray without ceasing. Everything that we do needs to be through prayer. Everything. Prayer is another major thing that demonstrates a new man.
when we gave our hearts to the Lord and became his, he adopted us. He made us his heirs and gave us his authority. Jesus said, I give you all authority. That's his authority. And when we are continuously trying to remain in the in the shadow and in the will of God, that gives power to the words that we speak, the things that we pray about, the actions that we do. And the more we do out of righteousness and out of listening and being obedient to him, the stronger we are in him. Pray without ceasing. I cannot stress it enough how important an active prayer life is. You want to stay on fire for the Lord? You've got to be praying all the time. And you start doing it enough, you realize that you're not praying as much as you think you are. It doesn't feel like you're praying all the time because you feel like because you're always praying. It becomes so much, instead of feeling like second nature, it becomes first nature to you. And in closing, we have choices to make every day. The Holy Spirit helps guide us in many of these choices that we make, but we've got to listen to Him. We've got to choose that which will fan the flame of the Holy Spirit. And this week, I would like to encourage everyone to look up Psalms 139, verse 23 through 24 and pray it over your lives. It's a dangerous prayer. I'll give you that warning. That's Psalms 139, verse 23 through 24. I want to start the new year off right. And it reads, Search me, O God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That is a dangerous prayer because every single time the Lord will bring to light something to you that you need to get rid of. And sometimes it's not the most comfortable thing that he brings up. So every single time it's something that needs to be dealt with, that needs to be processed, that needs to be taken care of. Because if you keep shoving it back inside, it's going to get in there and it's just going to fester and it's going to grow into something worse than what it already was. So to intentionally ask the Lord to reveal these things to you, and not just that, but just ask him to help you process them and take care of them and get them gone. In the name of Jesus Christ, get them gone. It's a dangerous prayer, but it is the one of the most beneficial prayers that you can do. And it's a great way to start out the new year. And it's one of those prayers that will change your life and strengthen your walk. I guarantee it. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you 
for today. I thank you that we're able to gather here today, Father. Thank you for this new year. Just guide us throughout the year, Father. Give us strength. Protect us. Keep us in your will. Keep us in your steps, Father. Pick us up and carry us when we fall and set us back on our feet. Help us to keep our focus on you, Father. Give us wisdom in all that we do. Just open the ears of our hearts, Father. Cleanse our hearts. Give us clean hearts and clean hands, Father. And just set our hearts on fire for you, Father. And fill us with your spirit so strongly that it overflows in everything that we do, that nowhere that we go will not be saturated by your spirit. That all that know us will know you because you live within us, Father, and because your spirit has overflown into everything. We thank you and we love you. And in your name, amen.